the wrestling podcast about nothing is brought to you by bda radio bda radio doesn't break news they break the news with their wild commentary regarding mma and wrestling head on over to bdaradio.com and check out all of the latest news on the ufc bellator wwe and much more they are proud to be the voice of fans because they are fans themselves bdaradio.com I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 29 presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the irresistible force, the immovable object. He's holding out for the win a date with Kingpin campaign, Ryan <laughs> Malonis. Oh, what are you trying to you trying to uh, put my marriage on the rocks here, <laughs> Michael? What's going on here? Well, you know, I was just trying to find a nice uh, segue into talking about you know our little. Our little Todd Sinclair uh, issue that we're having hey, here. I, you know, I think what me and all the fans uh, want to know right now, the wrestling podcast about nothing is, do you still have the zombie makeup on? What do you mean by that? From Halloween. No, I, I no saw, longer. I saw, some, I saw some lovely pictures of you all uh, all dressed up in full regalia. Yes, I, I went to uh, Salem on Halloween like any good tourist would. And I was... <laughs> Dressed up as Marty McFly as a zombie. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I didn't say anything wrong with that. I just wanted to know if you were still in your makeup. What'd you do? Sit at home and eat candy? Oh, I brought my children out uh, trick-or-treating, Michael. Like a good father. Oh, okay. Uh, got nothing really to say there. <laughs> 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 All right, well, back to the win-a-date-with-Todd-Sinclair deal. I mean, we talked about it last week. It broke last week. We were... So excited, so happy, you know, it's still alive, or actually it's hashtag it still lives, according to uh, Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, the win a date with Todd Sinclair campaign, and any word from Todd since then, Brian? Not, not a one. Just radio silence. <laughs> we know he is a listener week in and week out of the podcast. Do you think we lost him over this? Uh, he might fast forward through a few a uh, few segments here and there. I mean, that's that's too bad. We need all the help we can get. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, we're not. It doesn't seem like we're going to hear from one Todd Sinclair in regards to this news that this win a date with Todd Sinclair campaign is back. Put in on YouTube win a date with Todd Sinclair and see what comes up. A great video that you really have to see. But since Todd Sinclair is kind of refusing to acknowledge this, I think we have to go 
somewhere else. We have to talk to someone else about this, Brian. So we have someone uh, affectionately known as Mucko, Brian Malonis, uh, on with us. Also known as Eric Arsenal, though. Uh, Mucko, how are you? I'm good. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> hello, hello. Yes, uh, as we were saying, Brian, since we can't get the man himself on, he kind of refuses to speak about this entire thing. <laughs> we, we, would go, we would go to those closest to him. So, Mucko, we've uh, mentioned you a number of times on the podcast, especially when we were talking to one Todd Sinclair. You were co-booker, I should say, with him for Chaotic Wrestling for a few years there, right? That's correct. And so you know this guy. You know him in and out. I've known him for more than 20 years, so I know Todd quite well. Oh, my goodness gracious. 20 well, I didn't years. realize you guys went back that far. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Back in uh, 1996, uh, ECW, we met. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, Mucko, how did you feel when you heard about the win a date with Todd Sinclair contest? And how do you feel now that it apparently is returning? Uh, quite honestly, I was delighted. Um, <laughs> Nothing makes me happier than seeing Todd being miserable. <laughs> it's glorious. I love it. Well, why is he so miserable about this? Because he's Todd. That's what he does. He's miserable. <laughs> you should have seen the look on this guy. Because I, I was with him Friday. and We were down in Baltimore. And you should have seen the look on his face when he became aware of the Daniel Bryan tweet. <laughs> Yes, I wish I could have seen that. You know, I don't see Todd in person very often, but if I did, I would ask him about this every five minutes just, <laughs> just to, to make him miserable. So have you talked to Todd at all, like texted him or anything like that since this oh, all thing oh, yeah. came out? <laughs> um, yeah, but the thing is, is we don't see each other in person. Our main form of, um, what do you call it? Communication. Uh, a communication, yes, sorry, drew a blank there, is by text, which is very easy to ignore. So no, res no responses to multiple texts. None. <laughs> Zero. I tried to get him, I tried to, get him on, uh, to do Facebook Live with me, uh, either on a car ride or, uh, or from our hotel room, and he flat, out, he flat out refused. Yeah, I'm not surprised. At least I got that one little text that said 100%, meaning 100% not talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, a friend of 20 years, he just flat out ignored. Yes. Oh, my God. What's going on with that guy? Hey, he's, that's what he does. He doesn't, uh, <laughs> he makes his mind up and he's done. Oh my God. Do you think there's any chance that he's going to come around to this whole thing, that he's going to embrace it? No, that will never happen. <laughs> um, never. You know, the only reason he did it in the first place is because, you know, Brian Danielson had been fired and he's in a kind of a low point in his life. <laughs> so he wanted to help a friend out. He did not want to do it. But he did it because of the situation Brian Danielson was in. So there's no way anyone's ever going to make him feel bad enough again to do this. <laughs> so you don't have any advice for us as to how to get him to at least acknowledge us and maybe even perhaps talk about it with us on the podcast? That will never happen. <laughs> never happen. If, I'll be shocked if he ever even publicly speaks about it, but he will never do it to our inner circle, to our group of friends. He's, he's never retweeted anything we've said about it. He only did a, a thumbs down to Daniel Bryan's post, I think is the only acknowledgement that he's done on this entire thing. Yeah, he, he, will, he will never acknowledge it uh, you know, amongst our group of friends. The only way I can see him acknowledging it 
is if he gets caught off guard on a podcast like Cocabana's or something like that. Oh, um, goodness. That's a good idea. <laughs> but he, he, he will never, ever, ever go on your podcast and talk about it. And if he goes on your podcast again and you ask him, he's just going to say, tired. <laughs> busy. <laughs> or, busy. He will never publicly acknowledge it in our circle. Well, this is uh, very sad. We thought we might get somewhere and figure out an angle to uh, approach him with. But, Brian, I don't know. It's not looking very uh, – it's looking kind of bleak right now. What, are you giving up? Are you giving up, Crockett? I, I, no, I no, I refuse. For, for all of the fans, for John Morris, for all the people that have made this thing happen, Daniel Bryan especially, we can't, uh, we can't let this die. But, Mako, thank you very much for at least – giving us a little bit of insight into the psyche of fat pants, Todd Sinclair. It was my pleasure. See ya! <laughs> <laughs> so no progress on uh, speaking, getting word, figuring out what's going on with Todd in regards to this campaign. Brian, we're going to have to keep on this. We're going to have to keep on Todd, and hopefully this will change very, very soon. Yeah, Mako makes it sound pretty bleak for us, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we can't give up. We got to do it for John Morse. <laughs> All right, Brian. So Something Extra is what we're doing every Thursday now on the podcast feed. In addition to Monday's full episode, you get the bonus bite-sized, around 10 minutes, give or take, of a bonus topic that we'll talk about every week. So make sure you check that out on your podcast feed every Thursday. Thank you for downloading this show this week. New episodes of the podcast are available every Monday on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, and of course, BDARadio.com. If you're listening right now on the Podcast Radio Network, thanks for tuning in. We'd love to hear what you think. Tweet us at the WPAN. You can find us on the Podcast Radio Network each and every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Go to podcastradionetwork.net for more. And of course, don't forget those three S's. Share, subscribe, and star ratings. Thanks to all of our listeners, friends, fellow podcasters who have shared the show on Twitter. It's a great way to help us out. We really appreciate it. Retweet it when we put those show links out. It's a good thing for all of us. And we announced last month a contest to earn one lucky listener a free Kingpin Combo Pack. It's a color 8x10 and the I'm a Pinhead Brian Malonis t-shirt. We'll talk more about how you can enter. If you don't know, if you haven't heard already, we'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. So be sure to listen to the very end of this episode. Coming up on episode 29 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we'll have Merv Griffin time, of course, a promo about nothing, and a whole lot more. But Brian, let's get to the big topic of the day. We're talking the evolution of modern-day women's wrestling. And, Brian? Yes? Despite your protests, <laughs> the injunction has been lifted. <laughs> he's been on something extra, but now he's here on the main podcast for the first time. He is a longtime personality and part-time color commentator for Chaotic Wrestling in Massachusetts. And a longtime close personal friend. Yes, he also holds that same role for Dynasty Pro Wrestling in New York. He is a New York Mets fan and a Hillary Clinton booster. He is Pro Wrestling's <laughs> premier prognosticator, RJ Deloise. He is on the air. 
Wow. That intro, gentlemen, it is about time that you pulled the trigger on this. You have needed this level of comedy on your show, and it is about to go down. Okay? You've got the heavy D of hyperbole ready to rock this joint. Let's do this thing. Well, the powers that be at BDARadio.com uh, wouldn't let Mike keep you off the podcast any longer. So, Wait, you, you... <laughs> I mean, the amount, of, the amount of phone calls you must have gotten after the Something Extra segment that literally got one tweet, solid tweeting, just everyone on the internet was talking about it. It was easily the highest rated segment of something extra that you've ever done. You had to bring me in. You didn't have a choice. There really was no choice after that. There really wasn't. But now we're bringing you in for a very special purpose, RJ. We're talking women's wrestling. <laughs> oh, nothing makes more sense than to have a fat white dude talking about women's wrestling. It makes complete sense. Well, you I'm like women guy. and you like wrestling, right? <laughs> I do like both those things. And my record of calling women's matches is unparalleled. Uh, it certainly is. It certainly is. Uh, so before we get into like the stuff that's going on now with Hell in a Cell, uh, Sasha Banks and Charlotte main eventing, the last pay-per-view, I think we have to go back and see you know, where women's wrestling came from. And if we have to go to probably the lowest point for women in modern-day wrestling, I would say it was 2001. I looked this up, Brian. Trish barks like a dog for Vince McMahon in the ring. Do you remember this? I I do remember this, yes. Yeah, it was probably, I'd say, the lowest point in women's wrestling. Take your bra off and take it off now! I mean, that's that's tattooed in my brain. I can't get rid of it. RJ, did you watch this at the time? I was definitely uh, watching it with Chase Del Monte at the time. And (laughs) what I'll say is that... It was not about the wrestling. And I think the thing that jumps out to me when we're talking about all of this is that really at that time you had a paradigm. You brought in really good looking people, both on the male and female side, that didn't necessarily have wrestling acumen. Now, when you're talking about Trish, she could wrestle. So that was just a complete waste of a person who actually knows how to wrestle. But for the most part, you're bringing in these bodies, but that don't necessarily have the wrestling skill. And I think that is the big difference you're seeing today was that that wasn't really how you were booking shows back then. Yeah, I mean, I think they kind of got lucky with some of the women. They brought in basically all hot women, and it just turns out that some of them, like Trish, worked really hard and had the aptitude to become a wrestler. But it wasn't like, you know, they said, oh, this woman wrestler, let's bring her in. So her and kind of Lita were the two mainstays in the early 2000s. do we want to talk about RJ before we went on the air live here? We were talking about a little HLA. That was kind of something. That was kind of something as, as a low point in uh, wrestling, women's wrestling and women in general in uh, WWE. I mean, you're talking about Bischoff. He's creating controversy. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty controversial phrase, hot lesbian action uh, for yes. those who are too young to remember. But, you know, yes, not necessarily what their brand is going for these days. Um, but uh, entertaining in its own way. There was also doing the Divas search and stuff like that. Uh, Brian, I know that you've had uh, various opinions on women's wrestling. At this time, how did you feel about women's wrestling? Well, I mean, I think at that time, I I did not enjoy it. Uh, I enjoyed, obviously, I mean, they always found very attractive women. I think as a male in my late teens, early 20s, um, testosterone-driven, you know, 
I certainly wasn't looking at it and going, man, I can't believe how they're degrading women at that point in my life. You know, I, I, I'm not going to pretend I was, uh, I was doing that. But I mean, the women's wrestling, the, the, the crux of it was the women's wrestling on WWE, especially was just bad. Like there was, there was not good women's wrestling. Right. I mean, they did have that main event, Trish versus Lita on Raw at that one time. And Trish and Lita had a, had a good feud and, and Lita could wrestle, Trish could wrestle. But yeah, the overall theme of the early 2000s was just uh, pretty women trying to get through two-minute matches just to basically show off their bodies. I mean, I remember hearing at that point in time that their main focus you know, with women was they wanted it to be like a burlesque show. That's where their mindset was at with, with the women. It wasn't, can these women go out and have great matches? It was, they wanted, you know, TNA, essentially. Not, and not the promotion. <laughs> Speaking of TNA, Brian, we did mention that even before the whole, you know, Divas Revolution, quote unquote, there's the TNA knockouts. But even before that, Shimmer Women's Wrestling was 2005 established by Dave Prezak and Allison Danger. And that was probably the first, uh, I mean, it's definitely the first promotion out of Illinois that focused on the women as athletes, not as sex objects. And they brought in the best women from around the world, uh, Sarah Del Rey, Lacey, Mercedes Martinez, who's from the New England area, Daisy Hayes, Beth Phoenix was there at the very beginning of Shimmer, someone who would go on to be Karma, and awesome Kong. She was originally amazing Kong. She was there too. And someone else we know, Brian, Nikki Rocks. They were all there uh, from the very start of this promotion. But this, I think, if you want to really date back the evolution of women's wrestling and from where it is today, I think it starts at Shimmer even before the TNA knockouts. Yeah, I mean, so Nikki, you know, I kind of knew Nikki early on, uh, but then got to know her better after she kind of come over to chaotic wrestling. And I think Nikki was probably really the first woman that I had been exposed to in, in my time in wrestling, who was not just good for a woman or a girl, but was just good, was just a really good wrestler. And I remember being in the ring with her and her just being super physical and wanting the contact. And it was completely different from any other woman that I had ever encountered in wrestling uh, up until that point so I, th I think if you look at kind of what's happened today i think that error and that company kind of has their their handprint all over what's going on when when i think about you know women's wrestling nikki rocks is somebody who jumps out i mean malonis kind of tweeted it out a few weeks or a month ago where he said I, I could just imagine what nikki'd be doing right now you know in the wrestling game if she showed up with the skill set she had then in this current climate I mean, she she came in and I remind, you know, Paladino of this every time we do commentary, but she walked into chaotic and said, you don't have a women's division, make one. And, you know, and she was ready to do it herself if she had to and was fighting dudes and just doing so better than a lot of the, you know, kids coming up through the school. And I think that really spoke to the kind of wrestling she was looking to do. She wasn't out there to just be attractive, which she obviously is and was. She was out there to, to beat people up. She'd be a star on. I, th I, I firmly believe that Nikki would be a star on on WWE TV right now. I think I think she's unfortunately won her career was probably you know three to five years too early. Um, I mean, when you say ahead of your time, I mean that's what really comes to mind. She just was you know and and so instrumental in the knockouts division that you have to really 
look at those matches back then when, you know, WWE was putting out these women in the way that we're describing. And then you got TNA using the knockouts to, to fight, to have real matches. Yeah. I mean, like, as you said, Nikki Rocks was part of that kind of original class in 2007 of the TNA knockouts with uh, Awesome Kong, Gail Kim, ODB, Angelina Love. Those were like the original knockouts and they really went in a different direction. I think Dutch Mantel is being given a lot of credit for the way he treated the women in TNA at that time. And they were, I mean, that was the division to watch at that time when you're watching TNA. It wasn't even like the X division, which got a lot of uh, publicity before that. But that time, the knockouts, the women of TNA, that was the thing to watch, right, Brian? Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to watch actual women's wrestling and not, again, sideshow type stuff, or um, and not say WWE was completely void of talented women, um, but it was just featured in a way that uh, was a joke where TNA actually tried to present it as you know legitimate competition and. I mean, I don't remember what year it was exactly, but there was the ladder match there where Nikki got all busted open, and I think that did she get her head shaved after that? Yes. And you yeah, didn't see and women's I, I, match. You didn't see women's like you know gimmick matches like that, especially at that point. The other thing too is, you know, when you were in the WWE and you were a female, you were ancillary to whatever guy you were. You know, your story was built around. So you were a girlfriend, or you had a fake marriage. Or you were going to maybe have, you know, sex on national television. It wasn't about you. It was what you brought to some dude. And you were just a valet glorified. You weren't really an actual wrestler. The knockouts division was, a, you know, an actual division of wrestlers. That's a really good point. Like Al Wilson, Tori Wilson's dad with uh, Don Marie and all that kind yeah. of stuff that was going on at that point. Yeah. They had Mickey James and they had Victoria who could both wrestle and but at that time, yeah, you had your Candace Michelle's and your Ashley Mazzaro's. They weren't looking to promote wrestling from the women as the uh, TNA knockouts were doing in 2007, 2008. Awesome Kong and Gail Kim had a tremendous series of matches. And as you mentioned, Brian, that ladder match, I mean, that had to have been the first women's ladder match at least you know, nationally televised. It was Nikki Rocks and Gail Kim. And as you said, Nikki Rocks got her head shaved afterwards. And I mean, that was a big thing. I remember she was, um, she had like a cut in her head too. So her head was bleeding. The crowd like really got behind her. She's getting her head shaved and like, you know, embraced her kind of, it was a really big moment. And you didn't get those kind of moments, you know, as we're saying, we said a couple of times here from uh, WWE, at that time. Do you remember watching that ladder match? Did you watch that live, Brian? Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. I, I think the ultimate shame is uh, of all this is for all the hard work those girls of that era put in. Yeah. I mean, some of them in TNA, which, you know, has obviously been less of a, always had less eyes on it than, than WWE. A lot of them won't get the, the credit that they, they deserve for kind of starting us on the path that we're on now. Yeah. That's Hashtag Malona hates TNA. WWE lights (laughs) and it's kind of funny as I was doing the research for this uh, guys that we have kind of weird connections to like two women who are pretty instrumental I think in this whole revolution deal with uh, women's wrestling these days you know he's talked about Nikki Rocks and I mean we have to go to Sasha Banks or as we knew her in the very beginning Mercedes KV 
and she started training in 2008. So the you know the knockouts thing was kind of in full swing in 2008, and she made her debut in 2010 for NECW, and followed soon by her chaotic wrestling debut. RJ, what are your memories of the early days of Sasha Banks in chaotic wrestling? Yeah, I mean, I just remember, you know, uh, Nikki really taking her under her wing and really talking to her about the kind of wrestling that Nikki was doing and kind of had, uh, you know, established at the time. And then, you know, that's it, it was it seemed like for Mercedes, for Sasha, that that was what got her excited, that that was the kind of wrestling she was looking to do. She idolizes Eddie Guerrero, as she's you know said so many times. She wanted to be Eddie Guerrero. She wasn't trying to be Candice Michelle. And I think that having those women around, you know, you can't talk about women's wrestling in, in New England and not talk about, you know, the double X diva, Alexis, those and, and you know, Mistress Belmont in New England. I mean, you have these strong women who were putting on unbelievable matches all up and down, you know, the Maine and Massachusetts and just absolute Rhode Island, just absolutely killing it night in and night out, weekend after weekend. This really sharpened her skills, and and you could see that passion from her to want to be like those other women who were already out there and well established on the independent scene. Yeah, it's funny when Mercedes when Mercedes was training, or when you know Sasha Banks was training at uh, at the Chaotic Training Center. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one who told her, but I, I you know said to her like you know if you want to be like somebody, watch Nikki Rocks, be like Nikki Rocks. <laughs> yeah, and it's a very interesting point that you bring up that. I mean, while Nikki is part of this thing in TNA, she is also wrestling for Chaotic Wrestling. And yeah, I mean, she kind of held Mercedes out a bit uh, from the very beginning. So it's kind of interesting that a lot of people don't know this this little bridge between the TNA knockouts, which was like a huge thing back in the day, and the woman who would go on to be Sasha Banks. It's, uh, it's really interesting. And Mercedes kind of had probably the first women's gimmick match in chaotic wrestling do you recall any others brian not i mean not that i can remember uh you know i i'm i'm sure there was a bra and panties match somewhere along the way there (laughs) very early on we're not talking about chase (laughs) (laughs) so yeah there was an i quit match in december of 2011 between mercedes and Alexis, and that was when Mercedes won the Chaotic Wrestling women's title for the first time. And I remember, yeah, this was kind of something that Tarzan wanted to book. We've had Tarzan on a couple times talking about this. Episode four is when we talked about him doing his booking for Chaotic Wrestling. But yeah, he went to the girls and asked them, you know, I want to do some sort of gimmick match. And they came up with this I Quit match. And it was something that was kind of revolutionary for, for Chaotic Wrestling at the time. Did you call that match, RJ? I don't know. I, I don't remember calling it. It might have been uh, a uh, another of the string of uh, color commentators. <laughs> I know I know uh, I know Rich Palladino was certainly calling it because he is the absolute voice of chaotic wrestling. But I do remember being around, you know, because uh, I was doing shows probably a few times a year at that point. Um, mm-hmm. I was sort of finishing up in probably 2011. So I think by December I was probably uh, not at that show specifically. But I do remember just the the theme of you've got all you've got like this incubator of women's wrestling. You have to sort of take it to another level. It wasn't enough that they were just having singles matches or they were doing mixed tags. You had to take it to another level. And of course, the genius that is Tarzan had the forethought and the and the and the genius to pull this out. I mean, 
a big up to Tarzan, guys. <laughs> if, if he listens I mean, to would podcasts, there be a women's, would there be women's wrestling without Tarzan? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't think so. If he had, if he had ever listened to podcasts, he'd probably be really excited about that. But I'm sure we'll never hear this. So he's not uh, on the internet, so it's fine. <laughs> he's off. He's off the grid. <laughs> so Mercedes got signed by WWE in the summer of 2012. And she reported to NXT in Florida. But probably a bigger signing than that was Sarah Del Rey, who we mentioned earlier. She was part of the original class of Shimmer Wrestling in 2005. She was signed to be an agent in NXT. And a lot of people credit her for helping to mold the women and to basically make this women's division what it became in NXT. So Paige was down there in 2013, and she won a tournament to be the first NXT Women's Champion. And notice I said NXT Women's Champion, not Divas Champion. And it was always the Women's Championship and NXT, and it took uh, three years plus for WWE to follow suit. Brian, why do you think that is? Well, because I, I think the, the, the powers that be there still viewed you know, women in the same same light that they always had. As as RJ said, ancillary pieces to the men. They were essentially a sideshow is the wrong word, but like a like a novelty, I I, I think. Um, and they kind of viewed them as eye candy and like relief from the seriousness of the men's wrestling. They, I mean, the, the the spot on the card for women's matches uh, was forever the match before the main event. Um, the cooldown match. Um, and I still think the powers that be in WWE at that particular point still believe that that's what all the women really were. You mean Vince McMahon? <laughs> <laughs> he's, but he's, I mean, he's the final decision maker, but obviously at some point somebody here has gotten through to him, but was anybody, you know, beating down the door, demanding it to him at that point? You know, I mean... And I think, you know, like like we're talking about that incubator in New England with the women's wrestling. You, you got to think about how NXT really was the incubator through Sarah Del Rey, through the training and having, you know, all the right pieces in place to really be able to put out a product to say, listen, we can do this. You know, we we're here on NXT and we're killing it. And, and people are chanting for these women every night. This is as over as anything that the men are doing and and sometimes more so. Yeah, I mean, I think the turning point was that was the NXT Brooklyn match with Bailey and and Sasha and just twenty thousand people going absolutely apeshit for a women's match. And I think no matter who you are and what your view is of women's wrestling, you have to stand up and take notice of uh, an arena being absolutely electric for for those two women. Yeah, I mean, I have a I have a good story about, you know, around 2015, it was it was summer of uh, May of 2015 that NXT came to Albany the night before uh, that show that I was at. It was the NXT in Philly and the main event that night was Sasha uh, in Philly was Sasha and Charlotte. And that was such a mind blowing uh, situation that they would have, you know, the basically the third touring WWE company, you know, there's Raw, SmackDown, and there's NXT at that point, just starting to go on the road to put on a main event with two women was, you know, unheard of. And I remember seeing her that next night in Albany. And I was like, dude, you were in a main event. Like you, you were in a main event match. And like, 
the excitement of that, you could just see that they were really at the edge of something special. And that night in Albany, they put on a match that absolutely stole the show. It was right before intermission and nothing came close to it. I mean, that was when you still had Enzo and Cass coming out to, you know, to start off the show with so much electricity and you had, you know, just absolute, you know, you still had Kevin Owens was on the roster. You still had Finn Balor. I mean, these were, this was a great roster. I mean, some of the best that are on, you know, the main roster now were in NXT at that time. And the match that absolutely stands out and not just because we know her, but the fact that Mercedes and and Charlotte were able to put on a match that night that absolutely blew everyone away. She hit the bank statement and Charlotte rolled around and stood up with her still clutching the bank statement three different times. It was it was like and I and I remember texting Chase Domani being like, it's not fair what these women can do because you dudes can't do the same things they can do <laughs> like their bodies are physically capable of doing different and better things than your stupid clunky like male bodies. And it's really true when you think about it. I mean, the flexibility that guys, you know, muscle bound guys like a Malonis, just, you know, these, these, <laughs> these mammoth dudes that are just cut up from the floor. They can't do this kind of stuff. Well, I think that's the, I mean, the part of the, uh, you know, evolution too is, has been the recruiting process because it used to be before, I mean, we've all heard the stories of, you know, WWE seeing a, some sort of modeling shoot of Johnny some Ace. model in the magazine. Johnny yeah. Ace flipping through uh, fitness magazines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they sign, they sign that girl. And now they're, they're signing one women who know and love wrestling two outstanding athletes. I mean, Charlotte was, was a, you know, scholarship division one athlete. I mean, if you're, you're going to so- do, if you're going to do that shit for the men, if you're going to recruit division one, you know, elite athletes for the men, why, why weren't they doing it for the women? And I mean, you see the product. I mean, you put two athletes in that ring who know what they're doing and telling a story. I mean, that that place was electric for that women's match. And, I, and I'm sitting there going like, this is going to take off, man. I mean, I I remember after the show, I sat down with Bailey and I was like, it's not fair what Sasha and Charlotte are doing. And Bailey was like, I want to be Sasha Banks like I, like she's unbelievable. And I'm like, you know, you've got your own thing. I mean, she's probably the purest baby face they've seen in the last, I don't know, probably 10 years, Bailey. But, you know, she's doing something special, too. But you can't take away from the storytelling ability when you can put two athletes in there. And like you said, Brian, why aren't you why aren't you looking for that in the women? They just weren't. And this was a real time that that, you know, and this is fairly recent history. I mean, we're talking 2015 here, guys. This is not that long ago. Brian, we got name dropper Skywalker over here. <laughs> no, that, that's a great insight, RJ. Yeah, the, the four horsewomen. Let's just talk about that briefly. Sasha Banks won the title in 2015 in February at Takeover Rival in a four way, and the four women were her, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and Bailey. And those those were like the four, basically the cornerstones of this whole quote unquote women's revolution and those are i mean three of them would jump to wwe just a few months later and let's talk about this it was july of 2015 was the night where stephanie came out and declared the divas revolution (laughs) hashtag divas revolution that's right don't you don't you forget stephanie mcmahon started the the women's wrestling revolution (laughs) she sure did yes we should i don't know why we just spent uh you know 25 minutes talk about all this other stuff when it just we should have just started right here um <laughs> yeah how did you feel about this the night it happened brian 
Well, I mean, I was I was excited to see you know Sasha debut on on TV from a from a personal standpoint, you know, and, and just you know it was interesting to see where where they would go with it because it's kind of funny the way they the way they built it initially. It's something they did something I didn't think they were would ever do, and that was kind of take a shot at what women's wrestling had been there. They kind of laid it out on the table, which was a bit surprising to me. Right, yeah, they still called them divas, but yeah, they did kind of bury what had happened, you know, in the past and say, you know, this is we're starting anew with uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte coming up and also Sasha Banks. And so that kind of, that was night one. RJ, how were you feeling when you saw this and, you know, with Stephanie declaring that this was the divas revolution? I, I had the same kind of trepidation that you have with something that, it feels like it's going to go and then it, it almost seems like it's happening in an instant where there's an opportunity for it to be unbelievable and then there's an opportunity for it to maybe just be flat. And I think, you know, early on, they had a lot of bumps in the road, you know, just the way that they kind of grouped them, the way that they were telling their stories. I was like, so two months ago, I'm watching Sasha and Charlotte tear up a live arena and now I'm watching them like in groups of three sort of like argue with each other and maybe have a match here or there. Like it just didn't, they weren't writing for them, you know? Yeah. It just, yeah. They had put banks with a uh, Tamina and Naomi team bad and Lynch and Charlotte joined page. And then they had team Bella with, you know, uh, Brie and Nikki <laughs> and Alicia. There's 14 heel and baby face turns. And- yes. yeah, <laughs> like none of it made any sense. It was just sort of all like a hodgepodge. It was like, they just didn't know what it was like, Oh, we'll just put them all together in stables. Like what? This doesn't make any sense. And that along with the just in your face branding of hashtag divas revolution, instead of just, doing this thing and have it become a revolution to just label it as such from the beginning just kind of put you behind the eight ball i think it just it didn't ring true because it was manufactured i think if you ask me (laughs) and we are asking you mike we care about your opinion I, i think the other thing you know that was happening around the same time was mick foley was really out there promoting women's wrestling and talking about it a lot on social media and he was really looking for that pipe bomb moment, you know, that was going to really galvanize this revolution. And I think he was feeling similarly, you know, kind of watching at home the way we were, which was like, you're, you're just trying to force this thing and you're not really actually putting any real work into it. I mean, eventually those teams of three broke up and things started to write itself a little bit. I mean, Charlotte won the Divas title uh, from Nikki Bella in September. And so let's talk about WrestleMania uh, this past year. Um, so the Divas Championship becomes the Women's Championship. Brian, the first ever Women's Championship. Yes, indeed. <laughs> For the first time ever, we have a women's title. And Brian, was this kind of too little too late, or what do you think? No, I mean, cause I don't think it's ever too late. I think, I think it was the beginning of the correcting course, because, I mean, they were given time. They were given a featured spot, I think, on the facade at Texas Stadium. You know, they were one of the prominently featured matches. You're talking um, about the the three way match that took place with the Charlotte against Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. Yeah, and you know, they there were special entrances, and they they really made it a big deal. They really treated it like a big time match, which they had it, it should have been. 
Snoop, Snoop a loop. Snoop D O double G. Come on, fellas. <laughs> and I mean, and, and probably the last time he was at WrestleMania, he was singing down the aisle, and all the women were just dancing around him, and it was kind of this demeaning thing. And now here he is singing the entrance music. To, I mean, it, it, they're they're related, but but still, like, just take Snoop's involvement from two different WrestleManias. And right there, that's that speaks the volumes of the, of the evolution. There's one where the women are being treated as objects, you know, as again ancillary pieces to him. And now Sasha was the featured performer, and he's singing her down down to the ring. I, I think that that speaks. That's pretty powerful image right there. Yeah, definitely. So, do you want to talk about Sasha finally winning the women's championship? It was July 25th. It was on Raw. I think it was the first Raw after the draft. Brian, were you watching that night? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I was. I sure was. And to see the emotion on her face, it you know kind of brought me back to the first time she walked into wrestling school and just seeing that kind of genuine kid that she was and knowing how much it meant to her and seeing how much it meant to her. And th- those moments, I think, in wrestling where you actually are able to see the real emotion of the performer come through, it's a, it's a break in character and you can see the raw, real emotion, uh, I think, right there is those are powerful powerful uh moments how did it hit you um rj when you saw it i mean i think the thing that uh, you know you sort of saw from social media and just people's reaction uh, that what it meant for everyone who kind of saw her come up and the way that she carried herself in the locker room the way that she carried herself as a performer just doing everything the right way when you see somebody who does it the right way, who's a genuinely good person, to see them succeed just means that much more. And it's it's not the kind of thing where, you know, so somebody you don't like so much, you know, that you see him succeed, you're happy for him maybe, but you're like, hey, maybe that's not the best person. She's a good person. And I think that more than just her wrestling skills and her ability to, you know, to tell the story with her wrestling – just that she's a she's a genuinely good person and and always had respect for everyone. Uh, you don't see a person saying, "Oh, gee, you know, Sasha on this show, she was like thinking she was better than anybody." I mean, that's just not how she carries herself. So to see somebody who, you know, with good character, come in a big spot and and get what they de- what you really feel like they deserve, that's a special moment. Yeah, and and Charlotte did win the championship first, but I don't think Charlotte grew up thinking I'm going to be. You know, a women's wrestler, I'm going to be the women's champion. When Sasha won it, you know, everyone knows her story since she was a little kid, 13 years old, wanting to be a wrestler, loving Eddie Guerrero. So when she won the women's championship, it's kind of like everyone who had that, who has that dream, who, you know, loved wrestling growing up, kind of won the championship too. So that's kind of, it was kind of, it was, it was a really girlhood big moment. dream. <laughs> the it girlhood was a girlhood dream. <laughs> it did come true. And uh, we talked about it last week. The, the Hell in a Cell, we uh, reviewed it right after the show. RJ, what did you think when this whole thing was going down with the first, the women getting put in a Hell in a Cell match, and then, as it turns out, main eventing the pay-per-view last Sunday? Well, I, I just love the move with the main event. I mean, I, you know, it's it just speaks to, again, how we, it, it feels like it's it's been incremental in the growth, but it's it's happened really, really quickly when you when you stop and think about where we were just a year and a half ago to see where women's wrestling is now. And a lot of that has to do with the chemistry and the skill that Charlotte and and Sasha bring to the, to the table. They can pretty much 
do just about everything in the ring and and know what each other is thinking and you you just that that magic it just felt like you were watching something special and i felt like that match just built beautifully the, the finish you know that the way that sasha came off that table was just awesome i mean you know you're watching it going like how is this thing going to end? And it, I thought, you know, it, they just managed to tell the best possible story. And uh, it, it was as good as any match I've seen in that scenario. I, a part of me was a little sad that it was a gimmicky match because I felt like they're just so good one on one that they could have a match like I saw at NXT Albany, you know, that that could have all of those reversals and all of that technical work. But they managed to work that in to this, you know, unbelievably unprecedented kind of match that it, it, it was mind-blowing it's very similar to me uh, rj you've uh, in the last few years had uh, a certain little a little lady come into your life that has probably changed your world and your outlook on on all things uh concerning uh women that you never thought you were probably capable of thinking or feeling and i think and i, and I don't know how much your your little one watches or knows with wrestling or whatever but you know me being so involved with it um you know my my little girl is um uh, very exposed to professional wrestling and to watch it now and see the way women are being portrayed now um and not having to you know hide that from her or you know feel ashamed of it because you know I would never want my daughter portrayed in such a light uh, just the shift of that uh and seeing it through those little eyes and seeing her you know, the next morning we watched before she went, uh, you know, to the babysitter's house. Uh, we watched the the women's title match where Sasha won, and she loves Sasha Banks. And to watch it through her eyes w- was amazing. And, and and me not having to be ashamed of how the women <laughs> were being portrayed or worrying what message you know would be sending to her long term. That's that's pretty awesome. Like she, it's it's pretty awesome that she you know if she ultimately really starts liking wrestling like I did that she can have actual heroes to look up to. Yeah. I mean that you, you really nailed it, Brian. I mean, I think the piece of it where you're like having to explain brown panty matches to your daughter, it's like, you know, there's no way to frame that. I mean, there's just no, you know, how how you can explain HLA to your kid. It's not, you know, and and we're moving into a PG era. People, you know, want to just crap all over that. But on some level, having a kid, you kind of get, like this, you know, can be about the athleticism and especially in the women's division, you have the opportunity to, like you said, build these superheroes. I mean, you know, you've got you've got the, you know, the last kicker. I mean, she's out there just with the awesome accent and just can do everything. These are the kinds of, you know, variety of of athletes that, you know, when we were coming up, you know, we'd have our favorites this is the same opportunity for for younger females. And I think that's that's an amazing thing. So the the flip side of all this, though, I mean, there's no more bra and panties matches and the women are working incredibly hard is the fact that can these women hold up physically? I know Sasha has had back issues. And do you think that the fact that these women are working as hard as they are and not having the thickly muscle physiques of the guys do you think that i mean i don't i don't know if it's sexist or what but do you think that these women brian can hold up to the rigors of wrestling as a wrestler 
Well, I, th- I think it's a matter of, of doing the same thing you would do with any, you know, any performer, especially on the level that WWE is uh, and the amount of dates they do per year. It's going to be one, uh, partly on the performer to understand, try to understand the limitations uh, and take those calculated risks when necessary. Uh, it's also going to be up to the company to try to facilitate those thoughts, you know, and, and not always have them pushing the envelope and, and take care of your body. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's any different than the guys in that you have to manage it, um, whether it's the person, the individual or the company. You, it, it, all of us, you know, men or women in this business, it's a, it's a rough physical thing. And every time you go into the ring, you could, you could get hurt. And it really could be the last time uh, you go into the ring. And you got to be smart about some of the risk you take. Um, now, for what the, what the girl or what the woman did in the Hell in the Cell match, that's the time to take those risks, I think. Um, or at WrestleMania, that's the time to take those risks. But maybe, you know, a house show on a, on a Saturday afternoon, you know, in, in a B-town, you know, maybe you go out there and you wrestle a more technical style. Right. All right. So, guys, they've made invented Raw. They've made invented a pay-per-view. And Sasha Banks says that her goal is to main event WrestleMania. RJ, do you think that will ever come to fruition? She's she's still so young. I mean, we we think about this accomplished career that she's had. She could be wrestling for the next 20 years easily. (laughs) I mean, you know, and I think you're talking about injuries. I mean, look at the amount of injuries the dudes have had. Right. It's I mean, over the last year and a half. I mean, the, the roster just they're falling like flies. And I think it's the bigger picture of, like Brian said, you're working 300 dates a year. You kind of balance that out. I mean, this is this has to be sustainable across the board. And and that's that really has to be for, for the men and the women. But, yeah, can Sasha can Sasha Banks main event a WrestleMania? She just main evented a hell in a cell and dominated. I mean, of course she can. And the two that jump out, you know, are like we've talked this whole show. I mean, Charlotte and Sasha can do anything out there. And you put those two in a ring, they're going to tell the story and they're going to tell it in the best possible way. You could put the two of them in WrestleMania right now in the main event. And the fans know them. They I mean, when you saw those entrances and, of course, big up to the New England Pro Wrestling Academy for being a part of the entrance, that felt really special. Yes. Um, but. When when Charlotte hit that ring, which was awesome, and and the Dynasty Heavyweight Champion Mike Mike Verna was uh, out there as well. Shout out to him. But you had I'm dropping these names, fellas. You had <laughs> you had the crowd. You know I'm listening to the we want Sasha. Like they were rabid for her, and that's the kind of stuff that you can't you can't quantify, man. It's just when somebody gets over on that level, it's otherworldly. Okay, so. I know they could main event WrestleMania, but Brian, do you think they will ever main event WrestleMania, the women of the WWE? Well, if my honest opinion is no, I, I don't. Um, I, I don't know if they'll ever put that sort of faith in them. And, and on the flip side, too, WWE, you got to understand WWE is a business. So if they get to a point where the women are driving the ratings, the women are moving more merchandise than anybody, then yeah, yeah, I think, I think that would happen. Do I see an environment, even, even as far as we come, getting to that point where that's going to happen? I, I, I honestly don't. How about this, Brian? They've said that uh, Ronda Rousey, her next fight will be her last. Do you think if Ronda Rousey comes to WWE, she could be part of the main event of WrestleMania? 
Um, I, I mean, I'm still of the mindset. No, I, 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 I don't, I don't think so. I, again, the only, the only way it's going to happen uh, is if you get to a point where, uh, again, these women are, again, they're having the highest ratings on the show consistently. They're moving more merchandise than anybody. They can't just be the top, the top woman star. They have to main event WrestleMania. You have to be the top star in the company, not just the top uh, woman star, the top star. So until the day, whether it's Sasha or Ronda Rousey uh, or a Charlotte or a Becky Lynch is having higher rated segments than, than a John Cena, than a Seth Rollins, somebody of that and moving more merchandise than them, then no, I, I don't see it happening. Nobody saw Daniel Bryan being in the main event of WrestleMania, fellas. It's true. I think I think there is every opportunity here, and I will collect on this bet when we have a, a female main event at WrestleMania. Because that's why you had me on here, gentlemen. Hey, the, but the buffet me. at City Fields on me when it happens, man. I, hey, ooh, now we're talking. <laughs> now we are talking. <laughs> all right. Well, that's we're gonna stop for right now. We could talk all night about this stuff, but I want to thank. I never thought I'd say this. I want to thank RJ DeLuise for being on the wrestling podcast about nothing. RJ, thanks so much. History was made here tonight, gentlemen. <laughs> it sure was. And uh, thank you, Brian, for your contributions as well. Well, yeah. Go after yourself, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, I second that. And make sure, <laughs> make sure, guys, you check in on Twitter and Facebook. We're at the WPAN on Twitter and Facebook.com slash the WPAN. Give us your opinions on the women of today. Can women main event WrestleMania? What do you think? Let us know on Twitter and Facebook. And speaking of Twitter, make sure you follow our friend RJ DeLuise at what else? At RJ DeLuise on Twitter. Okay, Brian, it is Merv Griffin time. It is named for Brian's favorite episode of our favorite show, that, of course, being Seinfeld. It is our chance to sit down with the listeners and talk. We talk to you, and most importantly, you talk to us. Brian, we have a voicemail. Let's take a listen. Let's see here. Yeah, this is the Italian Stallion, Anthony. This is my question is for the Kingpin. I want to know how he feels about APW next week on the 12th that he can't have the three kings at ringside and um, how he's going to be John Poe on his own. So that's my question. Thanks very much. All right. Bye. All right, Kingpin. What do you have to say for yourself? The show is coming up. Oh, yes. Uh, well, I mean, as, as I did also on Twitter, after I'm done uh, responding here, I'll refer it to... Uh, to Big Woody for further ridicule, but the Italian Stallion, as he calls himself, is is a is an APW regular, um, yes. who, who who I've known for quite some time. I mean, I beat Brian Fury without any help uh, just last month. Uh, I have honorably uh, held and defended the APW Championship for quite some time now. I've beaten John Poe on many of occasion. I tell you, I'll tell you what. Here's how I feel about Mike. It's going to be huge. I tell you, oh, it's going to be huge. Oh, it's going to be so big. We're going to be winning so much. You're going to be sick of winning. Oh, my That's God. how I feel about it. So this is November 12th? <laughs> this is November 12th, yes, at the APW Arena. And that's Newberry, Massachusetts, correct? It is. All right. Well, Anthony, you'll have to see. You'll be there, and uh, the Kingpin will be there defending the title against John Poe. And who knows what will happen? 
Thanks so much, Anthony, for the call. And we want to hear from you, folks. So get your voicemails in. We'll play them on the podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Be a part of the podcast. Get on. The other way you can participate is using our hashtag on Twitter. That is hashtag WPAN. Let's take a quick look here and see what we have. See who tweeted at us this past week. Steven at HHHGuy2004, longtime fan of the wrestling podcast About Nothing. He says that I knew I was getting worked when the paramedic was tossing Sasha around on the stretcher. <laughs> that was kind of kind of crazy the way they were moving around on the stretcher and then they, they got the cord tangled in her in her neck brace as they were putting her on the backboard. Yeah, there's a little little wonky there, but I think like we said on the podcast last week, overall I think uh she did a very good job selling the emotion of what was to be the end of the match. As it turned out obviously, uh she rose from the dead and participated in the match and got in the cell, but yeah, I think overall it was a a nice little segment there to make it different from the other cage match, the other cell matches that were going on that night. Yes, absolutely. I, I concur, Michael. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right, so a couple of uh, Todd Sinclair things. We're going back to this. Uh, Mike Coughlin, also known as Mike Mongoose to you and me, he did the hashtag win a date with Todd Sinclair, and we thank you very much, Mike, for your support in the podcast and for your support of the win a date with Todd Sinclair stuff. And John Morris, of course, he's trying to get it on the SD Live Twitter feed, maybe hoping to get that on SmackDown Live this past week. I don't think it made the crawl on uh, SmackDown or I would have heard about it. But John Morris, thank you as always for your hard work, your dedication to the Win a Date with Todd Sinclair campaign. It's going to happen. Believe me, it's going to happen. Believe, believe me, it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, so last week, Brian, speaking of Atlantic Pro Wrestling, as we just were with the voicemail from Anthony, you neglected to mention the APW show last I week. I did. I did. That's because I was tired and it was all discombobulated from the weekend. And, and you're being a prick to me per usual. So <laughs> Yes, and Big Woody uh, was making excuses for you on Twitter, at Elwood on Twitter. That's he not says, excuses if it's the truth. He says, I blame at Croc Sox for rushing an overworked, overtired kingpin through that segment. There you go. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that whatsoever. Mike Mills, Mike Mills of Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. We neglected to mention Booking the Territory last week, and that was my error, and I apologize for that because we always want to get the word out about Mike Mills because he always gets the word out about the wrestling podcast about nothing. So Mike Mills at Mike504Saints. You accused him of being a WWE hater, <laughs> and he said he is a Paul hater. As in, just like just like you, Michael. As in, as in Paul Levesque. He says, but yes, there are many talents in WWE I like. You can bank on that. Huh? You get it there? You get well, it? Mike's going to love this week's episode. I'm sure he is. Yeah, I'm sure he is. A lot of, a lot of cool insight about Sasha Banks and uh, Nikki Rocks and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I was really happy with uh, our talk today with Women's Wrestling with RJ. Chad Alden, Brian. We know this guy. He is from A Man Walks Into an Iron Bar podcast, the MMA podcast for BDARadio.com. Halloween, Halloween's over. Why are we talking about creepy clowns? 
<laughs> oh, Chad Alden. He says that he has a controversial statement to make. Mr. Perfect is greater than Curtis Axel. And he Very said, controversial. He said, hashtag not controversial. Hashtag Lex Luger, his feet were between the ropes. I don't even Is that an angle with Lex Luger? I don't even really I, recall I, I, I have no clue. Wow, Chad Which Alden. I'm sure, is, I'm sure we'll get roasted on by him for not knowing. <laughs> yeah, Chad Alden is really pulling up the stops with his uh, wrestling knowledge of the uh, mid-90s. Make sure you check out A Man Walks Into an Iron Bar. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher. You can find all the episodes at bdaradio.com. Even though they like to uh, give us a hard time, they know what they're talking about when it comes to MMA, so be sure to check them out. And thanks to everyone else who is a part of Merv Griffin Time this week. We look forward to talking to you on Twitter and hearing your voicemails. And we'll bring you the best of it next week on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Okay, Brian, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But first, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Bailing out Dixie is Anthem? <laughs> there might have been a couple too many letters in there and words, Brian. But <laughs> You're I'm grasping at straws at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying really hard, Brian. So yeah, this past week, the ruling came down on Monday. Uh, Billy Corrigan is out. Anthem Sports and Entertainment is in. Dixie Carter remains probably in a reduced role. But what does this all mean, Brian? What it really means is that BDARadio.com gives you the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news. They break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. There's no restraining orders keeping you from visiting <laughs> BDARadio.com. Well, the payoff was worth it. The payoff was worth it. <laughs> Thank you very much. And yeah, this TNA thing, it just gets crazier and crazier. I don't know if you saw tweets from Maria Canellis and Mike Bennett this past week. I think they probably are a reflection of the locker room from what I've heard from, you know, the dirt sheets that everyone's really hoping that Billy Corgan would come in and, and take over and take it in that direction. But uh, yeah, this past week, Billy, uh, they ruled against Billy and it seems like he is going to be paid off by Anthem Sports, the money he is owed, and it's Anthem and Dixie will have uh, minority ownership, it looks like. And what I'm saying with the, the tweets from uh, Maria and Mike, it just seems like they are kind of a reflection of the locker room that they're not happy that that it's Anthem Sports and not Billy Corgan. Yeah, I mean, if you want, in all honesty, if you want some really wonderful insight into the kind of mess that that TNA is and and was, go check out uh, something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard on the, in the MLW Network. Check out that episode about TNA wrestling because that was an eye opener from somebody who was there. Yes, yeah, so that was a few weeks back on the MLW Radio Network, something to wrestle with. And yeah, you definitely have to check that out. That is <laughs> that, that podcast is kind of becoming a must-listen. Uh, you know, So listen to that on Fridays. Listen to us on Mondays. Right, Brian? Yes. All right, Brian. So let's get to it. The promo about nothing. Brian, it was 1988 in the World Wrestling Federation. Sean Mooney 
is the host of the event center. They would always do this uh, when they're promoting local house show events. I mean, we've done a plenty with uh, Mean Gene Oakland from back in the day in the mid 80s. But uh, from there and Mean Gene, it went to Sean Mooney, who was in the event center, who would throw to pre-taped interviews uh, with talents talking about, you know, the show coming to their town that month. So let's take a listen to this segment of Sean Mooney throwing it to someone who went on to be an infamous figure in the WWF. Let's take a listen to this week's promo about nothing. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, one of many superstars right here in the World Wrestling Federation. And there is a new one to keep your eye on. He is Terry Taylor. Right now, he is standing by with a few comments about what's going on in the WWF. Okay, let me tell you, everybody out there, I want to take this opportunity to introduce you to the greatest wrestler in the World Wrestling Federation. He's a new guy. He's one of my favorite people, and I think you're going to like him a lot, too. So I just want to bring him... No, there's nobody else. you got to know it's me. The greatest wrestler in the World Wrestling Federation. It's just a matter of time before it comes true. And yes, I am Scary Terry Taylor, the mecca of manhood. I've come into the World Wrestling Federation, and I'm sure I'm going to have to prove myself. I just can't come out here and talk about it and expect everybody to fall down and let me beat them. So it's just going to be a matter of time, maybe a minute, two minutes for some of the top guys, and then I'm going to be the new sensation of the World Wrestling Federation. So get ready for it. And you know what makes it the best thing of all? Is there's nothing any of you can do about it. Terry Taylor, he wants to be known as Scary Terry Taylor. Oh, I'm not quite sure just where the mecca of manhood is. Obviously, he does. He is a man to watch right here, a newcomer to the World Wrestling Federation. Hey, we've got more action coming your way, but first, the WWF has a crush for you. <laughs> so, uh, scary Terry Taylor? Yeah, so did you fall for it, Brian? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah, oh yeah, I thought he was going to bring somebody else in there. Uh, yeah, so yeah. if you didn't see the, uh, you could check out the video um, by going to the link in the description of this episode, or you can go to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing page on bdaradio.com. But if you watch it, he's gesturing off camera and says, oh, not yet, no, not now. And he's talking to the camera saying, you know, this guy's great, this guy's fantastic, and of course it's him. I mean, <laughs> I, I I bought it. I mean, I I really, I was waiting for him to, you know, to bring in Mr. Perfect. Well, I thought I, I, you know, I, I knew you were a big red rooster, Mark, from from way back when, uh, you know, because you love, uh, well, you know, you know, like like you know, like like Vince loves, you know. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, not a lot of feeling behind this promo. It seems like I mean, he's got some. He's the think... new sensation of the World Wrestling Federation, Mike. Uh, what are you not getting? They're, I mean, they're not scripting people at this point, but I mean, he's got these lines and stuff, but it just, there's not a lot to this. It's kind of like he's kind of rushing through it and there's not a lot of, I don't know. I mean, I, I think maybe they watched this early on and then, I mean, let me just uh, play a little clip of what <laughs> happened just a few months later. <laughs> so yeah just a couple months later i mean they they probably saw this promo and said this guy isn't uh showing the personality we like so let's uh make him a rooster 
Like, this guy stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a, a great wrestler, but uh, I mean, the, the talking wasn't quite uh, up to snuff, if you ask me. And if, if nothing else, being the Red Rooster, it did uh, force him to kind of up his promo game, be, be a little more uh, animated. But um, yeah, that is the evolution of Terry Taylor. We talked about the evolution of women's wrestling earlier in this segment. We've heard the evolution. From scary Terry Taylor to the one and only Red Rooster. <laughs> so that is our promo about nothing. As I mentioned, go to the wrestling podcast about nothing page on BDARadio.com if you really want to check out the full video. All right, Brian, it's the Mutual Admiration Society named by at THOG94 and our friend TK. Check in Exe- the boots. Executive, executive producer, Tiag. He <laughs> <laughs> might as well be. He might as well be. Check in the boots. The Check in the Boots podcast. At referee Tony S. At Chip K. CTB. They are doing it every week, week in and week out, reviewing Raw, reviewing SmackDown. They were talking about Nickelodeon Guts this past week and Double Dare, Brian. Guts was a little uh, after my time watching Nickelodeon. It might be right in your wheelhouse, though. Yeah, well, that's because you're 50 years old. So. <laughs> Almost, Brian. But well, by the time this is uh, out there, I will be, uh, well, it won't be 50, but I'll be a year older. Um, <laughs> but anyway, make sure you check out Checking the Boots wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, uh, Google Play, all that stuff. And I want to make sure I do mention, once again, Booking the Territory at BTT underscore podcasts. They do their top fives every week. They have great interviews. Make sure you check out Mike Mills, Doc Turner, Hardbody Harper, Booking the Territory. Also, the Hurricane Rana podcast, at the Hurricane Rana on Twitter. And, of course, as I've mentioned, week in and week out, they do their Facebook Live on Wednesday nights. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast, your friends from Atlantic Pro Wrestling, Brian. They are at Rundown Podcast on Twitter. Adam Salzer, Jason Stewart. Make sure you check them out and the New Era podcast at the New Era pod. Get them wherever you get your podcasts. And I want to give a little shout out here to DDT Wrestling. They are on the New Age Insiders Network. They are at DC Matthews NAI at Doc Manson. I checked out a show just the other day and it was amazing. And I really want people to check that out. DDT Wrestling. They do a show at ddtpod.com. And they also do a different show called The Private Earful for the NAI Network. So be sure to check that out. Brian, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you're currently fumbling and stumbling trying to get to your phone so you can get your dates. No, no, no. I'm good, man. I'm all prepared. I'm all, uh, uh, I'm all ready to go here. So if you're ready for me, I can, I can, I can fire away. Go for it. All right. So this coming Saturday night, I won't forget it this time. I promise, Big Woody. Yes. APW, the APW Arena in Newbury, Massachusetts. I will be defending the APW Heavyweight Championship against the juggernaut John Poe. All ancillary uh, parts are banned from from ringside. Uh, so oh, it will be a charts? True... Well, yeah. That's, I don't know. I was trying to okay. be poetic. Michael, right. give me a break. All right, go for it. Go ahead. Give me a break. But yeah, so get check out Atlantic Pro Wrestling on Twitter and Facebook uh, for all the full information. Uh, and come check us out Saturday night, the 12th. After that, Mike, I'm going on vacation for a little bit, man. 
I'm hitting I'm hitting the planes and the highways and byways and going down to Disney World, but there is no rest for the weary because when I come back, November the 23rd in South Boston, what's become the new Thanksgiving Eve tradition, UFO Wrestling Boston. And wouldn't you know it, I'm the freaking heavyweight champion there too. Oh, Jesus. Uh, and I will be defending against Teddy Goods. How about that? You're, you're yes. stunned silent, Mike. You're stunned yes. silent. Yes. <laughs> Teddy Goods. It should be a nice matchup. <laughs> Find UFO Wrestling Boston on Facebook and Twitter again for all ticket information. Last I heard, tickets are, uh, are selling very fast and furious. Uh, so you're going to want to get your tickets in advance for that. Uh, that Saturday night, the 26th of November, I'll be returning to Top Rope Promotions in Brockton, Massachusetts. And uh, again, Top Rope Wrestling is available on Twitter and Facebook. They also sell their tickets through brownpapertickets.com. And I got one more here for you, Mike. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. This one, uh, this is this is an unexpected one. Uh, really? Yes. So uh, are, you, are you ready for this, Mike? I am ready. Just confirmed. Yes. Well, we're, we're recording this earlier earlier than normal. So just record, just confirmed uh, on uh, this past Wednesday. Okay. I make my return to Chaotic Wrestling. What? That's right. Friday night, December the 2nd, the Kingpin comes back to Chaotic Wrestling for a pretty special match for a very specific reason. You thought that the final chapter in the Brian Malonis and Brian Fury rivalry had been written, but you would be wrong because I'll be taking part in Fury's final fights and I will be wrestling Brian Fury for Chaotic Wrestling Friday night, December the 2nd. Go to chaoticwrestling.com for ticket information. Follow them on Twitter and Facebook for full card information. Unbelievable. I didn't even tell you that one in advance. I wanted to no. drop the bombshell on you. That is big news. I mean, I don't know how much red tape you went through to, uh, you know, the stipulation of loser leaves chaotic wrestling. I don't know how your <laughs> lawyers uh, got got this to happen. Well, here's how, Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm smarter than the average bear. It was never put in the contract that I had to quit. I left under my own volition. I just said if I would lose, I, I would leave. But guess what? I'm a freaking liar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll be talking more about my chaotic wrestling return in upcoming episodes and uh, uh, and everything. But yeah, so uh, I'm uh, as of right now, um, you know, probably a, probably a one night return to just have that one more battle with Brian Fury. I didn't get enough of him uh, at EPW, so uh, taking part in Fury's final fights in chaotic wrestling. It's it's. Um, as much as I, again, I, I appreciated um, you know that opportunity to wrestle him in Atlantic Pro Wrestling. Boy, does it seem appropriate that our final chapter is written in Chaotic Wrestling. Well, that is great news, uh, amazing news. Thanks for sharing it here on the WPAN, and I'm sure we'll talk. Oh, yeah, about... get off my back now. I just broke some news on this podcast. <laughs> <a> podcast exclusive. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll probably talk about Beyond Wrestling, which is happening after we record, but uh, before this episode comes out. So I'm sure we'll talk about your match with Chris Hero on an upcoming episode of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Yeah, we, cer- we certainly will. Again, I had to, because of my hectic schedule, we did have to record early this week. So as of this recording, that match ha- hasn't happened. This will air after it happens. But yeah, we will definitely be talking about that on a future episode. All right. And if you want to book the Kingpin on a show, it's Brian Malonis at Comcast.net, or you can DM him at Twitter at 
Brian Malonis. Slide into those DMs. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> we are running a contest, as we mentioned earlier. It goes through the end of November. A free Kingpin combo pack is on the line. It's a color 8x10 and an I'm a Pinhead Kingpin Brian Malonis t-shirt just for you. All you have to do is go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. The easiest way to do it is to search in the podcast app on your iPhone. Even if you're subscribed, go to the bottom right of your screen, click on the magnifying glass, and you put in the wrestling podcast about nothing, write it out, find the show, click on it, click the reviews tab, leave your review. Make sure you enter our contest. You will get a free color 8x10 of the Kingpin Brian Malonis and his I'm a Pinhead t-shirt. We will pick the winner the first show of December on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. And for more on this podcast, the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, head over to your home for MMA and wrestling talk. That's BDARadio.com. Okay, we will be back Thursday with something extra, of course. As always, it's bonus audio from the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Make sure you check that out. And next Monday, we will be here with episode 30 of the podcast. Till then, he is the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. I am Mike Crockett, and thanks for nothing. <laughs>